Welcome to Woo With Us, a podcast to help you navigate and explore the many topics of spirituality, woo-woo, mysticism, and more. Don't do your spiritual awakening alone. Join us and let's spiritually awaken together. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Woo With Us. We are talking this week about color therapy, which, you know, I started thinking about color therapy as I was doing this research. And I was like, you know, you, we take it for granted. We so take colors for granted. I mean, really, what if, and I feel terrible for people who have color blindness or people who are unable to see, because what if my world didn't have color? Like the idea of color, colors just surround us everywhere. It like creates the beauty and we all have our favorite colors. It's like one of the first things that you ask people when you're getting to know them. It's like, it's so telling, um, you know, what colors people like and, and what colors people choose to wear at certain times of their lives. It's so, um, it's interesting when you start, start thinking about colors more specifically, you know, like you're just, you're just not thinking about it going through your day-to-day life. So, you know, I learned that the human eye can see 7 million different colors. Most people can see 7 million different colors. Um, You know, why are we drawn to certain colors? What makes one of them our favorite? If you're like me, you might have a favorite, but then your family tells you otherwise based on things that you tend to buy (laughs) and what color they are. Because I like to say my favorite color is green. But pretty much everything that I buy is purple. I mean, I don't even do it on purpose. My shoes right now are purple. The cup I'm drinking out of is purple. I have a purple yoga mat that I wear. Everything I buy is purple. And I never realized that that I did that until my, my daughter and my husband pointed it out. So why, you know? Anyway, so today we're focusing on color therapy. And in its essence, color therapy, also maybe known as chromotherapy, I know Nicole is going to go into a little more detail on the difference in that, but it's the practice of using colors to help treat mental illness and mental distress and possibly even physical pain. Many aspects of human psychological functioning are actually affected by colors, according to a 2019 study. And that study is called Wavelengths in the Visible Region Produce Biological Effects in Molecules, Living Cells, Tissues, and Enzymes, if any of you folks out there are into studies and really want to get into the nitty gritty. Um, You know, the ancient Egyptians, they weren't just masters of pyramid building and mummification, which is a whole other thing we could talk about because that's bizarre to me too. But they also understood the therapeutic power of color. So they believe that different colors held energetic properties and they use those colors extensively in their day-to-day lives. So for example, you know, when you see their temples, they were adorned with colors that symbolized various gods. They wore brightly colored clothing to evoke different emotions or attributes. The sun was revered as the source of healing and its rays would be harnessed to promote well-being. To channel specific energies, they would even use colored gemstones and crystals in their rituals. So sounds a lot like us woo-woo folks these days. (laughs) Um, And then the practice of color therapy in China is also a fascinating component of traditional Chinese medicine. So the five element theory at its core 
associates colors with specific organs and energies in the body, and this allows for a personalized approach to healing. And in addition to this theory, chromotherapy is practiced in China by incorporating rainbow-colored silks in their acupuncture and other um, Chinese medicine treatments. And those treatments are thought to balance the body's energy and promote healing. And then in India, so obviously that country is like deeply rooted in ancient, ancient traditions and practices. And Ayurveda, which is a system of medicine and healing that originated thousands of years ago, we should do a podcast on Ayurvedic medicine. <laughs> now that I think about it, I don't think we've done that. So yeah, look at that for the future. So Ayurveda is a system of medicine and healing that originated thousands of years ago, and it acknowledges the connection between colors and the chakra system, which if you've listened to us since the beginning, we've talked a lot about chakras and the colors associated with them. So in that system, the chakras are energy centers within the body that correspond to a specific color and balancing the chakras through color therapy is believed to promote physical and emotional well-being. So I know Nicole is going to go through some more history and, and a little bit of science, but from my research, it sounds like it's a really like changing field. It's constantly evolving. They're doing more scientific research as with everything that we talk about on this podcast. There's, there's, they're coming around to more of the ancient traditions and understandings of things from a scientific standpoint. Because right now, I think a lot of it is anecdotal evidence. Um, it's not necessarily like super drilled down scientific research, but that stuff is starting to emerge. So in the 19th and 20th centuries, we have a much more advanced understanding of color, color therapy, even though it's been around for hundreds of years in these other countries and ancient um, groups of people. So Nicole, do you want to talk a little bit more about the history of color therapy? Yeah. So first, one thing that I um, found interesting, uh, I would like to do a little bit more research on this myself. Denise kind of brought up color blindness and um, maybe this being a deficit for them and being able to have some kind of color therapy. But I wonder if they are seeing a variation of the color. It's just not the same as what we can see. And so there has to be some difference in wavelength because they're seeing a, a difference in color between what, what we would see as blue and green and whatever. It's not going to all look the same. They're going to be able to tell that there's some variation there. So do they really need to see blue the way we see blue? And do I see blue the way Denise sees blue? I mean, because when we think about it, it's kind of trippy how our eyes do this. And, you know, I could see a tree all day long and tell you what a tree looks like, but what I'm seeing as a tree or what I'm seeing as the color green may not be the same as what Denise sees, but because we it was learned, then we just associate this as being a tree. And this is what we know as a tree. So this is just food for thought for later. Um, I also wanted to point out too, that in some of the re research that I did, I'm super fascinated with ancient Egypt. I feel like maybe I lived during that time at some point. Um, and they actually had color therapy rooms. And this reminds me of, um, I 
um, into Grey's Anatomy after the fact of it being popular. And that was one of the things that they had on their show was like something about having these different colored rooms as therapy. And I really do think this is something that's missing from our medicine. Um, you know, there are different colors that make you feel certain ways. And there there is starting to be research about what these colors do with our emotions. And um, even if it's just something that to me, I love blue and blue makes me happy, but to Denise, she loves green and green makes her happy. Maybe it's not as um, generic as blue is always going to do this and green is always going to do this. Maybe we really need to drill down into what different colors do to us. And I think that that's probably where science is lacking because we're all different. How can we say scientifically that it's proven that blue does something when, yeah, maybe it does it for some people, but it doesn't do it for other people or even different cultures. Something that I saw that was interesting in my research was that actually they found that um, installing blue white um, I think it was in China in their bus stops that actually, or their train stops that actually decreased suicide attempts um, on the train because blue light, for whatever reason, um, didn't make people feel the need to feel depressed. But that isn't something culturally that that can happen in other cultures because they tried this blue therapy in other cultures and it didn't work the same way. So for whatever reason in China, blue kept people from wanting to jump off the platform of a train and trying to commit suicide. Why? I don't know. Culturally, how they see it, um, maybe in their culture, how they relate blue to different things. I don't know. I, it's mind boggling. And maybe we'll never have true scientific proof the way that we think. Um, I also wanted to talk about the placebo effect because I'm taking this these classes about herbal medicine right now, and they're talking about the placebo effect there. And they're saying that we as Westerners tend to disregard the um, prevalence of the placebo effect because we don't really have a specific way to scientifically prove whether it works or not, but it does work. We just don't necessarily know how to scientifically prove it. And we sometimes disregard things because they're their placebo, but does it work for that person? Yeah. If I told you that I'm giving you medicine and it was really a sugar pill, but it made you feel better. Who cares if it was in your head or if it was actually in the medicine? And so this is something that I find so fascinating with some of these um, woo woo things that we're kind of going into is because I think they're really founded on some kind of basis, even if it's just in some culture's belief that this is happening, I feel like that could be a strong enough validation that it it works, even if it's just in that culture. So I don't want you to disregard stuff. I want you to really think about, does this make sense for you? Because that's one of the things on my spiritual path that I'm starting to learn is we take bits and pieces of what is true for us and we can disregard the rest. And so if something is true to me, but it's not true to Denise, Denise just doesn't have to engage in those things that I find are true. But does that mean that it's not working for me? No, because I have proof that it is working for me and vice versa. So I just want you to come at this with an open mind because this color therapy stuff really blew my mind. Um, 
All right, so ancient history. Chromotherapy originated in China, Greece, Egypt, and India, where they used colors as medicine. In 2000 BC, light and heat were used to heal chronic pain injuries, as well as illnesses like flu, pneumonia, um, by indigenous people. Um, it's believed that since the body consists of all the colors of the visible spectrum, the body needs to be exposed to the different colors in order to remain uh, balanced and healthy. And so ancient Egyptians, like I said, they actually created these sun-filled rooms with colored glass, and they used these different colors of glass for different therapies. Um, ancient Greeks and Egyptians used colored minerals, crystals, stones, salves, dyes, and they all used these things as remedies. Um, they painted treatment sanctuaries, various shades of different colors. Um, in ancient Greece, um, Color was intrinsic with healing. It was thought to restore balance. They used it for um, different colored garments that were for healing purposes, oils, plasters, ointments, salves, um, and it, it would treat diseases. I mean, you even think about color therapy when it comes to artwork that has a pro profound effect on people. Um, they use direct exposure to sunlight and indirect healing um, by using materials as the medium. So whether it was a piece of clothing that was a certain color, or maybe they exposed um, certain colors to water and they used water as a medium, or even I read things about where people would use um, color therapy for like milk and some of the foods and stuff that we eat so that we can internalize that healing benefit um, I just find, I just think this is so fascinating. Um, so water was missing from the healing element from the ancient times. And it's believed that water can be used as a medium for the absorption of color. And that's been proved later as the best remedy for removing toxins from the body. And it's called hydrochromotherapy. Um, someone, an ancient philosopher um, for a Muslim by the name of Avicenna, um, he was from the golden age. He said that color was an observable symptom of disease. And he actually developed a chart that related color to temperature and the physical condition of the body. And so he advanced the art of healing by using colors and he made the importance of color for diagnosis and treatment known. So he was kind of like one of the first people to actually like bring science into color therapy. Um, he, was a he was the first to establish that using a wrong color um, for a therapy or a specific disease would actually elicit no response. So if it wasn't working, if you use blue and that wasn't going to heal this person, then it doesn't have any negative effects. It just doesn't have any effects. Um, but using red um, from his research was thought to heal a person. Um, so if someone had a nosebleed, you could actually stimulate blood flow by um, exposing them to red, whereas if you expose them to blue, it would soothe and reduce the blood flow. Um, uh, like Denise touched on, um, Ayurvedic uh, physicians, you know, correlated chakras with colors. Um, color has been investigated even before 2000 BC. And so there's that question of, do we really need to have scientific fact? Because they didn't have scientific fact. They just had faith that it was going to work, that healing with colors was a thing. Um, he used color treatment, uh, red moved the blood, blue or white cooled the blood, and yellow reduced muscular pain and inflammation. 
blue light was found to increase the quantity and size of grapes. So there was some research done on growing grapes in this um, greenhouse that alternated between clear panes of glass and blue panes of glass. And they found that the grapes that were exposed to the blue panes of glass actually grew larger. Um, and blue light was used to cure certain diseases and increase fertility and physical maturity in animals. Um, a person by the name of Hiss Hassan found blue light was good first line of treatment for injuries and burns. Um, chromotherapists in the past have focused on direct exposure of the affected and diseased area to light or materials of chromotherapy. Um, and they emphasize watching color, uh, which focuses on the material aspect of chromotherapy. Um, Hasten also produced a detailed study covering different aspects of chromotherapy, including material aspect of healing and electromagnetic transfer of color characteristics. And he elaborated on the technique of choosing the right color for specific diseases and the theory of the basic colors for therapy, as well as the combination of different shades. So at first it was more like blue was for this, red was for, for this, but now he was starting to kind of go into studies of kind of mixing these colors and seeing what it would, what would happen. Russian scientists um, in collaboration with an Indian researcher named Shah, took pictures of electromagnetic energy glow around the human body. And we've talked about this before with auras. There's a certain kind of um, picture that you can use to kind of see what your aura is. Um, and they were using that to discover diseases. And they learned that diseases first appeared in the aura before they were actually transferred to the physical body. And so it can be detected six to eight months prior to the appearance of um, it in our physical body. So it, it kind of established chromotherapy as being like preventative treatment as well, um, which I thought was fascinating. Uh, Robert Gerard, which was a US, U.S. scientist, studied chromotherapy and the impact of warm colors like red and cooler colors like blue on the body. And his research showed that warm colors were useful in arou arousing um, those with like uh, troubled, um, maybe reactive depression, um, maybe uh, dealing with um, uh, SAD, um, the seasonal um seasonal disorders, um, but then cooler colors elicit the reverse and will actually, um, uh, will calm someone who maybe is anxious. Um, they can actually be used as an, a, tr a tranquilizer in the case of like tension and anxiety. And so exposure to warm colors increase uh, respiratory movements like your eye blinks and your cortical um, activity activation and palmar uh, conductance, which is the arousal of the um, autonomous nervous system. And then um, warm colors showed a more pronounced pattern of stimulation and cooler colors were shown to be relaxants. Um, and they would alleviate muscle spasms, reduce eye blinking frequency and actually help with insomnia. Now, one thing that I thought was interesting when I was doing this research is they really pushed a lot for blue light in helping to um, help with insomnia. But then they also warn you not to use blue light before you go to bed because it prevents you from going to sleep. So it may just be like a color situation. Um, I did read in later studies that like darker colors would actually help with insomnia. So maybe the kind of blue light that we're exposed to with our um, devices is a lighter blue. And so maybe that's why it, it keeps us from um, sleeping as easily. 
Um, Dr. Edwin Babbitt was an American physician and an early pioneer for the science of color therapy. Um, he actually prescribed treatments, uh, including direct light through colored glass to different parts of the body and consuming elixirs treated with color light. And we've kind of talked about this with crystals and doing elixirs with um, crystals. And so this is kind of the same thing. Water is really amazing. I'm, I'm doing that herbal class and they're talking a lot about um, praying over water and using that in combination with like herbs and stuff and how just really powerful water is. Water is kind of like um, the collector of like memories. It has like this ability to store information. And I think that's just something that is maybe hard for us to be able to scientifically prove. But um, using water with color therapy has been known to help also. Um, and so uh, here's some examples of what he used for color treatment. Red was used for paralysis, physical exhaustion, and chronic rheumatism. Yellow was used as a laxative. Um, and also purgative for uh, bronchial difficulties. And blue was for inflammatory conditions like the sciatica, meningitis, nervous instability, um, headaches, irritability, and sunstroke. Um, it's believed that why color therapy works is because our vital organs have a direct connection um, with skin through our arteries, blood vessels, and capillaries. And color rays can actually affect the bloodstream through the circulation and the elimination of toxins. But then further, our different organ systems are actually affiliated with different colors. Um, that's kind of proven in the chakras. You know, certain chakras are um, affiliated to a certain color, and then those colors and chakras are affiliated with certain kind of uh, our organs of our body. So um, there's just so much research that I feel like I didn't even know about when I first started looking into this, um, one thing that hit me hard was the neonatal jaundice. When I was a baby, I actually had jaundice and my mom told me that they had to put me in, you know, some kind of, I don't know, contraption that brought sun to me to cure my jaundice. And it says that in the 1950s, it was actually discovered that neonatal jaundice, um, which was fatal, um, could be successfully treated with an exposure to sunlight. And so it was confirmed in the 1960s. And it actually began being the replacement therapy for infants that were born with jaundice instead of having um, a blood transfusion, which could be deadly to an infant. So um, I thought that was interesting. And it hit me really hard because I actually did have jaundice when I was a baby. So I might not have survived had this not come along, you know, um, and then uh, I thought it was interesting, too, that red light can be a stimulant, so it can actually make us kind of angry. Um, but pink light is actually calming and tranquilizing. And so there was a study done where they actually um, created these cells inside a jail and filled them with pink light. And it actually made violent offenders of crimes um, become uh, passive and not so angry. Um, a lot of what happened, they believe, was that it actually reduced their muscle strength and it sapped their energy and it prevented them from being aggressive. But, you know, it does lead you to think like, you know, when you think about 
kids at school, when you think about jail situations, when you think about learning environments, when you think about, I don't know, courtrooms and all kinds of stuff, maybe just changing the color of light that we're exposing people to could really um, have, bring out the best in somebody, you know, can help you with your learning. It can help calm you down. Um, it can prevent, you know, altercations, maybe we put in in polling booths so people aren't so angry that you voted for the person that they didn't want you to vote for, whatever. It's just something to think about. Can we rewind for one second to what you said about how it reduced their muscle strength? Yeah, that's what it says. In the research that they conducted, um, it was found to reduce their muscle strength and it sapped their energy. So they're not sure if the reason why these prisoners were less likely to be aggressive is because they actually were losing muscle strength and getting their energy sapped by this pink light, or if it was just calming or all of the above, you know? Um, I mean, my thought I don't know how much study it has been. Yeah, my thought process immediately is, so if there's a light that can reduce your muscle strength, then there, there has, has to, to be one, one to that increase. can increase it. Absolutely. And then is there light that can help you break down fat or yes. cure cancer? Yes. Or all of these crazy things that we take for granted. Yes, because in the research that I, it'll come later when we talk about each of the different colors, that was definitely something that was brought up was the fact that colored light was used for treatments of cancer therapy. And so when we get to that, I'll I'll kind of explain that too, but it's just crazy. I feel like this is a vote that we're just kind of missing right now. Like, um, I don't understand it. You know, I don't understand why this isn't something, even like I I said- Red light therapy is like all the rage right now in the health space for sure. Um, everyone talks about red light therapy healing and red light therapy for your face, for like wrinkles and anti acne and yeah. psoriasis. It talked yeah. about all that stuff. It was good for the, I mean, think about that. If you could just put some red light on your face and it can help with burns or it can help with acne, you don't actually have to apply medicine or you can apply medicine and use color therapy and it'd be that much more effective. Why not? You know? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So this is definitely something that piqued my interest. I think there's a lot of, um, there's just a lot of research that's been done. There's a lot of studies that have been done that I feel like um, has shown to have some success. And when we're willing to give a pharmaceutical drug the benefit of the doubt as being effective and helping us when really it's just masking a symptom, then why wouldn't we try color therapy, which isn't going to be harmful to us. We're not ingesting anything bad into our body and see what happens with it. You know, it's definitely going to be safer than using medicine, or we can still use medicine and color therapy, you know, and just see what happens. Maybe we're going to get even further in curing something this way, you know? So, um, that was a lot of the history. Um, and I even skipped over some stuff because there was just a ton of history, um, but those were the most important things. So maybe back to you, do you have something else? Okay. Um, yeah, no, I mean, just to me, it's, it's super powerful. It's got so many benefits. I, you know, I think if you're starting out with, 
color therapy. Maybe, maybe if you have cancer, it can't hurt, but I'm thinking more like just from the jump, like if you just want to play around a little bit with it to see how it works, probably the most potent would be on your mental health versus like your physiological health. Cause I think we all know that if like my bedroom is a very light color blue and that is like my sanctuary, but some people might want their bedroom to be yellow and that's their sanctuary. So it's like play around with different colors in your house, in your, in your, in nature around your house. Like, what are you drawn to? What does that color evoke in you when you see it? If you see a house that's <laughs> bright red and I almost even think that like you could like red, but maybe you don't like the house to be red, you know, maybe that evokes something negative in you versus if it's just like a red rose that you come across and it makes you happy. So I would say just play around with like how it affects you psychologically and mentally before maybe jumping into a physiological healing space. Not that you can't do both. You know, I, I do actually, I bought one of those mask things that you see the crazy looking white Jason masks that have all different lights, red, blue, yellow, green, whatever. And it tells you what each one of them do. And like my daughter uses it because she's a teenager and she's all about like making sure her skin looks good and acne is not breaking out and all that fun stuff. So I personally believe in it. I don't know that I could say that I've seen a reduction in wrinkles, but I will continue to try it <laughs> because I hear all the good things about it. Um, and I also know, like I said, like I, I listen to a lot of podcasts in like the health science space. And that's a lot more, I think, scientific based than maybe like our type of podcast where we're more spiritual, maybe on the outskirts of the science based evidence-based health, but I feel like we're coming around in our society to more of that. We're realizing that the pharmaceutical companies are killing us and our food is killing us and the chemicals in our laundry detergent and our, you know, shampoo and conditioner and everything, my clothing, everything. Sorry, I don't want to scare anybody because I know it overwhelms me when I get into it, but I feel like we're coming around and we're realizing that those people that are making that stuff and giving it to us are doing it for money and not for our benefit. And I don't know that it's necessarily them being evil, but we live in a capitalism is prevalent here and people want to make money. And I think people in the health space are starting to come around to this more natural type of, you know, really old school coming back to like our roots type based therapies and you heard how old this therapy is and I think quote unquote science will catch up and people will start to believe this more and it won't be so woo-woo um but you know <laughs> there's still people like my husband out there who will look at me with the face mask on and think it's doing absolutely nothing for me <laughs> and I'm like whatever fine like believe what you want um just because a doctor or scientist doesn't approve you know, and it's it not even that they don't approve. I think it's just that it hasn't been researched. I think there's so many things out there that we could research that this stuff is sometimes being overlooked. Our society is pushing us to do research on immediate things. And I think that medicine and vaccinations all have their 
their purpose. And I do think that they can be beneficial, but I think that the problem that's underlying is that there's some reason that our body is telling us there's something wrong. And so having these medicines and vaccination can kind of give us a pause for a minute and do the work that really needs to be done on the inside of us to fix the problem. You know, I don't think it's totally baseless. I think it has scientific fact also, but I think that it can have some negative repercussions and we're not supposed to continue to do it for the rest of our life, you know? Yeah, exactly. Which is so crazy to me. Like, let's go just pop a pill that might cause XYZ issues down the road and cost money versus, Hey, maybe I'll give this a shot for a couple months and see if it works. And I, yeah, I get it. Like if, if you have something like cancer, that's scary. You have to nip it in the bud immediately. You don't have time to waste, but yeah, like you said, combine it with this stuff. Like, how is it going to hurt you? It's free. It's not going to harm you. Just give it a shot, you know, and maybe it will have the placebo effect if you believe in it enough, who knows? So anyways, so let's talk about like some ways to kind of use color. Like I know we've talked about on other podcasts where it's like, if you're trying to work on your chakras, you're trying to kind of work with a specific chakra you can do, you can use the color associated with that chakra to enhance it. And so same idea here, like you can, you can look at a color to use the color therapy. You can visualize it in a meditation. You can wear it. Um, you can just be around it. Like I said, I go in my bedroom, just being around it gives me that, that Zen feeling. Um, and even, um, you know, eating, if you, you know, if you want to feel happier about something, maybe you eat, I don't know, maybe yellow is associated with happy. So you eat some yellow squash or something like that. You know, you eat an orange because you like the color orange. So that's kind of like how you can absorb colors. But I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about how I like some other ways that you could use color, um, not necessarily quote unquote therapy, but some ways to just incorporate it into your life outside of maybe mental health or physical health. So I found a list of some things. So when you're exercising, if you really want to improve your performance, let's say you're like a crossfitter or something, or you're trying to lift really heavy, choose a red outfit. So it gives you that aggressiveness that like that energetic vibe about you. But it also said like, go, maybe if you have to drive to the gym to do this, go like a way where you're going to be around traffic lights, you're going to see stop signs, you're going to, you know, anything where you think you'll see more red, because then you're absorbing it in multiple ways. So the next thing is like, if you need to remember something, they say yellow is helpful with memory. So look at something yellow, wear something yellow. Like, let's say this is really good for us parents, right? Like if our kids are, are taking a test and they had to memorize something to take a test for, maybe we say to them, Hey, maybe wear a yellow shirt today. Or maybe like, maybe if they don't like yellow, like my kid only wears black right now, like every other kid on the planet. Um, <laughs> maybe just wear like a yellow hair tie around your wrist or a yellow bracelet or something like that so that you're getting that yellow into your brain and into your body and you, your memory is better. So when you need to get work done, 
I found this very fascinating. It says to avoid white walls. Let me tell you, I don't work in an office anymore, but every cubicle or office that I ever worked at had white walls and that was it. And this says avoid white walls. <laughs> Apparently it gives you more side effects um, like headaches, nausea, things like that. I know even for me, we always had the weird fake light too. That always made my eyes squinty and stuff. No, like they say red or blue workspaces are better for getting focused and getting your work done. So maybe if you're stuck in an office that has white walls, maybe that just means hang a blue picture on the wall or hang a red picture on the wall. So you're getting those colors in. If you want some space to relax, it says add green. Obviously, this is a very big connection to nature and the environment, and that's associated with relaxation and comfort. I know for me, I, like I said earlier, my favorite color is green, or at least that's what I think it is. Um, and I do think sitting in the garden, sitting in my yard, when it's rainy season here, my yard is so lusciously green and I love it. And in the wintertime, of course, when I'm more depressed and it's not as warm, everything's a little more brown, less, you know, less vibrant and green. And I wonder if that's, that has some kind of play into why I love that color. Um, if you want to refrain from eating too much, like if you're watching your weight, you're trying to lose weight, or you just know you're an overeater, avoid yellow anywhere where you're eating. It says in a 2007 study, people that ate in a yellow room ate twice as much as people that were in red or blue rooms. When you want to feel confident, red and black are the mixtures. I know when I was growing up, I don't know what just made me think about this, but my grandma, I always wanted like a red suit. When I was first going into like business in high school, we had like, I was in like a business kind of course or whatever and we had to go somewhere and I had to buy a suit and I wanted a red suit because I really liked it and I wanted to be spiffy and she says mm -mm, you don't wear red until you're the boss and I was like okay so <laughs> that has always stuck with me that like red is a power power suit and so it was like I tend to interpret that as a way of like maybe if you're wanting to exude confidence and put yourself up on that pedal stool, people will take that from you if you're wearing red or something of that color. So and also fake it till you make it. So yeah. if you're not the boss yet, you will be wear some red. Exactly. Well that's interesting too because it also says black and black can help you appear appear more authoritative and sophisticated. And literally that's all I wear now. But I didn't never thought of it as like a confidence or like a, you know, also black makes you look thin, right? So like maybe that's part of the confidence thing, especially for women. Um, okay, so when you need to be creative, it says blue. A 2009 study found that people exposed to blue were better able to explore their creative sides. So use it in your art, in your crafts, in you know whatever room maybe that you're doing arts and crafts or writing or whatever, use some blue. Um, maybe wear blue, maybe wear a blue shirt, maybe wear blue jewelry. Use that when you want to be creative. If you want to feel energetic and happy, it says orange and yellow. I don't even know if I need to explain that because that makes the most sense to me. I don't, orange and yellow, if I don't know, if you're out there and you don't feel energized, 
by orange and yellow, please write to us because I, I can't like, I don't know that to me just, duh. <laughs> um, when you need to be calm. So let's say you're going into a stressful situation. Maybe you're a public speaker and you're really nervous. It says to use pastel green and pastel blue colors. Um, same thing like in your home where you want to relax after a stressful day. Like I mentioned, my room is a very light blue color and it's just my Zen zone. When you want to be romantic, it says pink. Pink's the color of romance. It's calming and soothing. It apparently also reduces your muscle strength, but I just learned that. So <laughs> <laughs> um, when you want to focus, it says um, you may want to be sure that you have blue. I think we talked about that in an earlier one. Don't have the white walls, have some blue or red. If you want to keep your spirits up, more yellow, more yellow on your skin on your body, more yellow in your spaces. Maybe you buy yourself a bouquet of sunflowers. I know those always make me happy. Um, just consider that, you know, if you're in a place in your life where you're feeling a little down, buy yourself some yellow flowers or whatever color flowers make you happy. When you're hosting a party, it says have orange. Apparently that stimulates energy and promotes interaction between people. If you're tired, you don't feel like doing anything, red. So same as when you're trying to go exercise. It creates that energy. It infuses your spirit with vitality. Um, if you know you're going to have a really long day, maybe you're in a work meeting or something, or maybe you're like, you know, you're just going to be like walking around Disney World with your kids and you know how, how much energy you need for that, wear some red. Um, <clears throat> if you're feeling a bit off center, green. So I'm, it says go into nature, be in the green. I mean, I think being in nature is a big part of that, but apparently the green is also going to help you kind of get back grounded into yourself, into your body. When you need to connect with your intuition, purple, I think any of us spiritually woo woo people know that purple is that color. It's the color of your crown chakra. It's the, you know, ish color of, um, of, you know, connecting to source. I kind of see it more as a hot white violet color, but purple is the same idea. Um, dreams. If you're trying to get like really active in your dreams, you want to kind of remember your dreams, maybe have purple in your bedroom, maybe put a purple crystal under your pillow. Maybe you wear purple pajamas. If you have those, surprisingly, I don't being that I buy everything in purple, but I don't have purple pajamas. If you're redecorating your home, it says consider the effect of each effect of each color and what you want to feel in each room. So kitchens and bathrooms often incorporate yellow because you want happiness and joy. Dining rooms that use blue and green will feel more calm and they help inhibit the impulse to eat. Pink in the bedroom may stimulate romance, but you might want to combine it with blue or green to encourage restful sleep. I'm not really sure how that would go pink and blue and green, but hey, to each his own. I also don't know that I would do a full pink bedroom, but I do have a rose, a giant rose quartz uh, right next to my bed because I do believe that that helps keep the love and the romance alive. And then if you want to look smart, like you're going for an interview or something, this is to wear blue. So maybe you wear blue shirt underneath like a black blazer or blue shirt, black pants. 
um, but it helps aid in concentration. And I guess it, it helps somebody who's maybe looking at you perceive that you're more intelligent. Don't know how that works, but so anyways, that was a couple of ways that I wanted to kind of touch base on, you know, outside of the, the physical and, and mental health benefits, how else you could use colors in your life. I guess the only other thing that I wanted to bring up was I did a little bit of research on different colors specifically. And so we talked about a couple of them already, but I just wanted to kind of focus in on color, each color in general. So red is associated with our root chakra. And if you think about it, it's also associated to a lot of the stones that are for our root chakra. So we're kind of thinking about how all this stuff is related. Um, red is supposed to be the great energizer, and it's also supposed to be a pain reliever. So red actually activates more blood flow and produces more nutrients like oxygen and will allow your body to heal itself more quickly. It increases your heart rate, um, but then it can also increase your feeling of empowerment. And then um, pink is supposed to help reduce your appetite. It's supposed to increase feelings of love and romance. It's supposed to be good for bringing out your inner child. Um, it brings back feelings a lot of times of nostalgia. Um, it can be calming and comforting. Um, and it's supposed to decrease aggression within five minutes. So if you're exposed to pink, um, that's supposed to help you to calm down and not be so aggressive. Um, it strengthens our veins and our arteries and it actually activates and eliminates impurities in the bloodstream. Um, and it can help with gum disease and toothache. So I feel like that's crazy. Um, when you think about it, the mother's womb is going to be pink. And so maybe that's why it is more of a symbol of love and our inner child and innocence, because we're relating it back to when we were in our mom's womb and, and we saw the color pink. Um, Orange is going to be associated with the sacral chakra. It's associated with creativity. Um, if you think about it, orange is a combination of red. So it helps to ground us, um, but it can also help us to get some energy and ambition. Um, it can help us with socialization. Um, it can help with indigestion, constipation, bloating, cramping, and detoxification. Um, and it matches with the vibration of our kidneys and our large and small intestine, as well as our lower spine. Um, yellow is associated with our solar plexus, and it can be used to help treat things like asthma, bronchitis, epilepsy, um, cramps, uh, tears, sore ligaments, bone fractures, kidney stones, um, it's thought to prevent tumors from forming, and it can actually awaken your mental inspiration and provide clarity and um, optimism. Green, uh, we talked about a lot. It's going to be related to nature. It's going to bring in balance and create harmony. Um, it's associated with our heart chakra, so it's good for healing our heart and our soul and our body, um, relaxing, renewing. Um, the heart can actually become healthier when we're exposed to green light. Um, and if you think about it, plants and trees that give us oxygen. 
oxygen to breathe. And so that could be the reason why we feel so connected to the earth when we're looking at green. Um, and green is also good for headaches like migraines and chronic pain symptoms and potentially um, helping to alleviate some ca cancer symptoms as well. Um, blue is uh, associated with our throat chakra, and so it's good for communication. It provides us with a feeling of tranquility and calm. Um, it's thought to be, it, it's actually used as a natural antiseptic. Um, and it clears the air of bacteria. When I actually, one of my previous jobs, um, we were in a plant and uh, they actually did some research on like UV light. Um, since we had a lot of systems that had water and UV light is supposed to um, get rid of bacteria. So maybe that's where the correlation to blue being an antiseptic and, uh, and clearing the air of bacteria, maybe that's where it comes from. Um, and it's also supposed to relieve fever, bronchitis, asthma, and lung cancer, and can possibly help with drug addiction and breaking unhealthy cravings and bad habits. Um, teal is supposed to be clear and calm. It's supposed to be mentally uh, relaxing. And it's think, if you think about it, it's the combination of green and blue. So it's going to have those same effects of what blue and green do for us combined. Um, teal is also cleansing. It can boost your immunity. It can rebuild cells. It relieves infections, reduces pain, brings mental uh, relaxation, and accelerates um, healing. And then indigo is a dream activator. Um, and, and this is related to third eye, right? Indigo, third eye. Um, and so it produces confidence. It can be uh, good for giving you uh, a feeling of motivation, feeling uplifting, but it can also help with psoriasis, tension, headaches, migraines, visual defects, um, glaucoma, cataracts, sinus problems, and even some ear problems. Um, violet um, is good for intuition, creativity. We kind of talked about that. It's associated with our crown chakra and is actually used as an antibacterial in hospitals. Um, and it can influence a feeling of peace and increase spirituality. White is supposed to be like the perfect color blend. If you think about it, white is going to be the, um, combination of all of the colors of the spectrum. And so it can help alleviate chronic pain. It can calm your mind and your body. Um, it's been used in treating um, the seasonal depression um, and even non-seasonal depression. And then this wasn't necessarily related to light, but they talk about black being related to strength, toughness, power, which is what Denise was talking about, um, being like an authority figure, going out for a job. Um, and brown is more of a feeling of reliability, stability, organic, natural. And so um, just one thing I want to stress, you know, I'm not telling you ever not to see a doctor. I'm not telling you ever not to take your medicine. I'm not telling you ever to look at me like I am me or Denise is giving you any kind of um medical advice. All I'm saying is that I do think that we overlook some things that are pretty simple in our life and just exposing ourselves to different colors, whether it's through crystals, whether it's through flowers, whether it's through paint colors, whether it's through light, um, they elicit different responses. And one thing that we talk about over and over again, when we talk about some of these subjects is 
we all have different responses and different reactions to different things. So me loving blue may not be the same reaction because you may love orange. And so that may give you the same feeling that blue gives me. And so sometimes just taking a little bit of time to create our own inventory of colors that we're drawn to or how those colors make us feel can even just give us you don't need the science. You're, the science is you thinking about how it makes you feel. So just keep a little journal about these different colors and how they make you feel. So that's kind of what I have. Do you have anything else to add, Denise? No, I don't. I think that was a really good overview in depth. And yeah, like Nicole says, we are not doctors. So don't take any of this stuff as word um but yeah i mean try it out for yourself and do your own research and your own i think that's the biggest part of woo woo stuff about really about anything even modern day medicine we're we have to start taking responsibility for our own bodies and our own health because the doctors go into their job i think with every intention of being helpful and then they get overwhelmed and they only have so much education that they are required to do and it's all very scientific based and I think most people especially nowadays go into doctor's offices and want a quick fix and so a doctor will immediately prescribe you a pill or, you know, something of that nature. They only get 10 minutes with you. Maybe they'll do blood work and kind of look it over and see what's going on with you. And then what, you know, nobody, unless you go to a, um, like a holistic doctor is going to ask you what's going on with in your life right now. What have you been doing? Have you had a death in the family? Are you under a lot of stress? How have your eating habits? They don't ask you any of that stuff. They just see your blood work and just say, oh, here's a pill to fix that. And most people are like, sweet, my symptoms will be gone after I take this pill, not thinking about the downline repercussions. And, you know, hopefully our listeners are taking their health more into their own hands and, you know, trying things like this in place of or in conjunction with modern medicine things. I mean, obviously if, if you have something that's not killing you, maybe it's bothering you a little bit and it's making your life uncomfortable. Why not see if you can heal it some other more natural way versus a pill that was created by a pharmaceutical company that has a thousand side effects <laughs> is all we're saying. Um, <laughs> I'll get off my soapbox though. So yeah, that's all. That's all I have to say about color therapy. So I guess we're, we're done. We're good. Okay. All right. Well, everyone, we will chat again in a couple weeks. Thanks so much for listening. Your support is so important to us and we'd really appreciate you giving us a rating and subscribing to our podcast. So you never miss an episode and you help us reach more souls. Thank you.